Open your Bibles to Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. I'm going to share just briefly today, and then we're going to spend some time in communion at the Lord's Supper. Luke 22. Love to hear those pages turning or those iPhones going. Chapter 22, verse 7. Let me read for you. It's on the screen, too. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want for us to prepare it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. That's so cool. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Let's stop there. So what meal are they about to eat together? All right, say with confidence, the Passover. Now where did the Passover come from? We don't have time to actually turn to the book of Exodus this morning, but if you remember, Exodus chapter 11 and 12 is where the Passover was instituted. Or if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, that'll do. You'll kind of get the idea. The people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt. They've been there for nearly 400 years. Their cry has reached the Lord. He remembers them. And when the Old Testament says God remembers them, it means he's ready to act. It doesn't mean he's forgotten them, but he's ready to act. He uses his servant Moses, and he uses ten incredible, miraculous plagues which serve as God's wrath towards Egypt and the way to get Israel out of the land of Egypt. And on the tenth plague, we have the the plague of the firstborn, where God is going to wipe out every firstborn male, both human and animal. And the way that the Israelites would be spared from this 10th plague was that they would take the blood of a lamb and they would apply it to the doorpost of their house and then the Lord then would pass over their house signifying they are part of the chosen people and this was part of their way towards redemption. So that's where Passover came. Now what's very interesting here, so follow me for a minute on this. Is that, gee, is that God is about to do this great act of redemption, about to get him out of the land. And the night before he does that, what does he do? He institutes a meal filled with symbols that they're always, from there going forward, to celebrate. A meal filled with symbols so that they would always, always remember. And so what do we learn about God? We learn that God is a God of props. We learn that, like Mike said many weeks ago, 
he knows that we forget what we're supposed to remember and we remember what we're supposed to forget. And so he gives us a meal with symbols so they remember. So this is what, now one thing you got to see about the Passover to an Israelite, this celebration was huge. It was huge. God continues throughout the entire Old Testament to refer back to that act of him getting them out of Egypt because he did it with such miracles and such power on display, unlike anything else in the Old Testament, this, this was such a great act of God so that they would have no doubt in their minds that God did this. God saved them. God redeemed them. All they had to do was walk along and give him glory, but God did this. And so to an Israelite, you've got to understand the Passover story, this redemption that God did for them, it was like Israel's gospel story. It was big. It was big. And so now Jesus says, look, fellas, go get this Passover meal together. Now you may think, okay, so what does that involve? It's not just driving through the, you know, Taco Bell drive through here. A Passover meal, think about your preparations on Thursday. Show of hands, who put the whole meal together? Okay, bless you. Thank you for, for those who put the whole meal together. Who divvied it up amongst family and friends? Yeah, smart. All right. Okay, think about all the preparation that went into that meal. Now you're getting an idea of Passover. They would have to go get a lamb. It actually had to be cooked in the temple, roasted there. And then they had to bring it back. They had to make sure the room was set up just right. And then they had to have all the right side dishes to go with it. So, you know, think Thanksgiving, think preparations for this meal. So Jesus says, go prepare for the Passover. Back to verse 17 with me. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, here they are celebrating a meal called Passover that would help them remember God's great act of redemption. And right at the end of that meal, what does Jesus do? He institutes a brand new meal filled with symbols for an act of redemption that he's going to do the next day. And he says, you should continue to do this meal in remembrance of me, in remembrance of me. Now, this is fascinating because God with Israel, when they're in Egypt, the night before he's going to redeem them, he sets up a meal with symbols that they're to always celebrate so that they'll always remember God's great act of redemption. Fast forward now, Jesus, the night before he does his great act of redemption, he sets up a meal with symbols so they'll always, always remember Jesus. And I gotta tell you, that's vital. This isn't something small that we should miss because Jesus knows, too, that we often forget what we're supposed to remember, and we remember what we're supposed to forget. And so he gives us these symbols. He gives us a meal. And I love that he gives us a meal, not just a theory. 
when he wants us to remember the most important thing about ourselves as a church, that Jesus died for our sins, he gives us a meal. He gives us a meal. And we're going to celebrate that in a minute. And the symbols for this meal are the bread, which represent the body of Christ, and the, and the cup, which represents his blood poured out as an offering for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, in the Passover, they have a lamb. Where's the lamb in this new meal? Jesus. Jesus is the lamb of God. Jesus is the lamb who's going to be slain the next day for the forgiveness of our sins. And so there's an, there's an incredible connection here. And you got to know that these first century Jewish disciples, they had this rich history of celebrating a meal to remember redemption so they, they could see God Jesus building on that rich salvation history. Now, I don't know what was going on in their mind the night of the Last Supper, but you definitely know later in the New Testament the connection was made. Peter, in 1 Peter 1.19, he refers to Jesus as the Paschal Lamb. You even see Paul, when he's referring to the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 5.7, you'll see it here, you see that Paul refers to Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb, being sacrificed. So as we come to the Lord's table, we're building on a rich history of eating a meal together to remember God's redemption, to remember God's redemption. And so Jesus says right here in verse 19, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. In the church throughout the New Testament, they continued. They continued to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at this passage quickly. Chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. Love to hear those Bibles turn in. 1 Corinthians 11. Twenty-three, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, says Jesus. For whenever you eat this bread... And you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul here is quoting Jesus from Luke. The word here that you see in verses 20, 24 and 25, remembrance, is the same word in Luke. And let's just get our Greek geek brain on for a second here. In, in a Greek mind, this word for remembrance, it has this prefix at the beginning, and this prefix would have signified this, repetition. So a Greek reader would read this and say, continually bring back to mind Jesus. We do the Lord's Supper so that we'll continually, constantly be, be refocusing our attention and bringing our mind back to Jesus. Why? Because we forget what we're supposed to remember, and we remember what we're supposed to forget. And the Lord's Supper keeps this as a reminder constantly in front of us. Now, I don't know about you, but I can be somewhat forgetful. 
In fact, I have this little trick that I do. Maybe you do this too. Put things in front of the front door. You ever do that? You know, you got that project you have to remember that important materials for. You put it in the front door. You wake up the next morning, and it might have been really important, but after a night, you've completely forgotten about it. And you walk, and you're getting ready to go out your front door, and you think, oh, I'm so glad I put that there. I would have completely forgot that. In the same way, Jesus instructs us to build into the rhythm of the life of our church this reminder. Come have a meal and remember me, says Jesus. Come have a meal and remember the most important thing about us is that Jesus died for our sins. And anything we do and anything we have is all built upon this meal that we celebrate regularly here. So we have this rich history of remembering built on a Passover. And then this meal is superseded by this meal, just as that first act of redemption is superseded by this even greater, the greatest act of redemption, Jesus on the cross. So how do we remember Jesus? When you come to this meal, what should be going on in your mind and your heart? Well, I want to suggest first something very obvious, but I think worth suggesting. We remember Jesus, not ourselves. We take the bread. We take the cup. We think about the death, the agony, the sacrifice. And we meditate on this great act as a demonstration of love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we come to the meal and we remember Jesus. And in this age of narcissism, where it's easy to just think the world revolves around us, this meal reminds us it doesn't. That it revolves around Jesus. And that it revolves around the glory of God the Father. That Jesus is the hero of your story. That Jesus, I would even suggest, is the main character of your story. And the enemy would love us to think that we're in the center of it all. And he knows that we'll be the most unhappy when we're there. But when this meal reminds us that, no, Jesus is central, it reminds us that Jesus is central. So we come first, we pay attention to Jesus, and even our Christianity sometimes, we, we, we tend to think Jesus got us in the front door of Christianity, but we'll take it from here. We'll do devotions, it's our walk with God. And this meal reminds us that no, from first to last, it's about what Jesus has done for us. And that we come like the old hymn writer and we say, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And we continue to come back and remember that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus and what he does for us. I don't know about you, but for me, I need to see this all the time. I need to see Jesus as big, as exalted, as in charge. You know, for me personally, just to be candid with you guys, I struggle with anxiety. A number of years ago, it just started to set on, just continued to get worse and worse until 2008. My wife and I called it like the year from hell 
where it just was getting through work some days was all I could do. And I finally reached out to a few friends and pastors here at the church and got some help. In a meal like this, for someone who struggles with chronic anxiety, continues to refocus my attention when the problems of my life, when the irrational fears of my life, when all this stuff seems so daunting and big, Jesus says, I'm bigger. I'm bigger. Remember me. Remember me. Remember this demonstration of intense love for you that I had. I have a vested interest in you. And I'm bigger. And I know the problems can seem overwhelming. But I truly am on the throne. So for me, I personally need this meal all the time because I forget what I'm supposed to remember. I forget what I'm supposed to remember. And for you, maybe it's not worry and anxiety. Maybe it's guilt and shame. But let me tell you, let this meal satisfy that once and for all. That Jesus' infinite grace is big. It's bigger than your finite sin. It's big. And this meal comes as a way to heal our hearts and show us that Jesus remains in charge and he's got a plan. And he's got a plan. Jesus is in charge. So first we come here and we remember and we pay attention to Jesus and let that minister to us. Let that give us real strength for today. But this meal also gives us hope for tomorrow. Look back at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26. Let me show you where it gives us hope for tomorrow. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, what? Until he comes. This meal, which is built on the Passover meal, a meal of remembrance, is all pointing to something in the future. And what is that? Another meal. God loves meals. And that meal is called the marriage supper of the Lamb, where one day we will be reunited with Jesus Christ. And every tear will be wiped from our eye. And every sorrow will be gone. And so this meal also is supposed to remind us that there's more to come. And for Christians, it's not the good old days. We don't remember for good old days. We remember because the best is yet to come. Amen? Yeah. But thirdly, and I just want to close on this, is we remember, not only does it give us strength for today and hope for tomorrow, but as we remember Jesus Christ... It keeps us lean. How about a meal that keeps you lean? It keeps us focused. It keeps us on mission. Look back at verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. This meal is an action we do as a church that speaks louder than words. It proclaims to the powers and principalities you may have your day, but Jesus wins. The victory belongs to Jesus. And we know the end of the story. So it proclaims to the power and principalities, and it proclaims to a world that's looking on, come to Jesus. You who are weary and heavy laden, come to Jesus. And in his death and resurrection, you're going to find life. So as we come to the meal, 
this morning. I want to just suggest that this is essentially what Christianity is all about. As we celebrate this, this is foundation to who we are. I want to invite you this morning in your bulletin, you've got a little sheet. If you've got some pen or writing utensil, we're going to take a minute as the worship team comes forward and they're going to sing a song for us. And I just want you guys to take some time and remember Jesus. And let that meditation, and maybe it's, maybe it's when you first intersected with Jesus and he brought you to himself. Who were the people involved with that? You can thank God for that. Who were the mentors who discipled you in the faith? Maybe thank God for that. But that you would come and turn your attention to Jesus Christ this morning and remember him.